Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Golia. Nate, how's it going? Pretty good. Welcome back yeah, from uh, Gen Con. Thanks. It was a, yeah, I had a lot of fun. We did uh, True Dungeon. We did a bunch of uh, you know stuff for for the company I work for, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a blast. Gen Con was fun. Yeah, uh, Phil might be joining us later, but we uh, you know we're gonna have a, a really special guest tonight. We're glad to have him on, and we had to sort of uh, fit in for everybody's schedule. But we have Ben Friedman, uh, fresh off uh, uh, playing in the uh, Pro Tour. This is Pro Tour 25th anniversary, right? That was what it was called. Um, Yes. Yep. yep. And uh, Ben's graciously come on to talk to us about his blue-black shadow deck. Um, and uh, you're, I think you're the person with the mo- well, you're definitely the person with most pro tours we've spoken to with 26. Um, <laughs> but obviously, uh, you know, a lot of competitive magic history. And, um, you know, just thank you so much for coming on and squeezing us in tonight. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Hey, hey, guys. Yeah, thank you. I, uh, yeah. Uh, my pleasure. I certainly do not mind uh, getting a platform to talk a little bit about the uh, the best one drop since Death Right Shaman got banned <laughs> right. uh, in Legacy. But uh, yeah, no, I am. I'm really thrilled to be on here and uh, talk about it. Yeah, it's been quite a few pro tours now. Uh, I somehow have managed to uh, hang on to the tail end of the the pro tour train. A number of times when I thought that the ride was over, and they keep letting me play in them, so I will keep showing up and uh, trying my damnedest to do well. Great. Oh, it does look like we're going to add our our extra our third co-host, Phil. Um, I'm conferencing him in right now, but um, maybe we could just get started. If uh, you know, you could tell us a little bit about. Hey, Phil, you there? Hey, guys. And Phil's hey, we're, on. we're on. We're recording. You're, it's, we're, hey, we're Ben. Phil. Live. Hello, Phil. Uh, so we're just going to start out, we're just about to start out and ask Ben, how did you decide on Blue Black Shadow? I mean, like, this has to be a, a and we'll talk a little about this later, hopefully, but like, this is your opportunity to play Legacy on the Pro Tour. I know you're a Legacy aficionado, Legacy lover from from uh, meeting you uh, here in uh, Utah a couple times, or once rather. Um, how did you decide that this is my Pro Tour, where I'm playing Legacy, I'm, I'm going with Blue Black Shadow? All right, well, so it started with, uh, yeah, they, they announced it, and I was thrilled. I said, wow, this is great. This is my opportunity to play Legacy on the Pro Tour. I've got this. This is going to be great. Uh, I know m- much more about Legacy than most, and I'm going to get to go head-to-head with the best. And to be fair, in the intervening 10 years, I guess, since I first touched Legacy cards... Uh, my competitive advantage in the format has diminished a lot. There are a lot more pros and semi-pros and just even, you know, everyman who have a feeling and an understanding for the format. So I, I'm not quite as uh, high in the sky as maybe I once was back in the early days of playing Stoneblade on the SCG Tour. But I, I did get quite the uh, quite the rush when I first heard, all right, time to play Legacy. So... Uh, it started obviously with some uh, some Grixis Delver. I knew that that deck was the deck to play, and I was grinding with it. I had 
some cool innovations. I was trying Bomac Courier with mutagenic growth to break through enemy death right shamans, uh, culminating huh. in a few awesome screenshots back. I would they would play death right. I played a Bomat attack. They block. I mutagenic growth <laughs> killed their death right. Got a card under the Bomat, and my opponents would just crumble. It's better but than gut, gut shot. <laughs> it it really was. That was my gut shot for enemy death right shamans. Was attack into them, watch them, you know, ham and haw, and eventually block, and then get them. But you know, all my innovations were for naught because they made a big announcement. Uh, Wizards decided no Grixis Delver, no Deathrite Shaman, and no Gitaxian Probe, which really cut out the heart of that deck and a number of sort of potential pivots from that deck, right? Well, so you we, were going to pivot to like a Checkpile or something. That was Yeah, I could have pivoted to Checkpile. There was a Sultai midrange deck, like Sultai True Name Nemesis, right? People yeah. talked about that. Sultai Leovold. Mm -hmm. uh, there was the possibility of playing um, even Esper Deathblade, although I wasn't too hot for that. Uh, and I had uh, originally gravitated towards maybe Infect would be good, because Infect was very vulnerable to opposing uh, Delver decks, mm -hmm. but that wasn't really panning out. Uh, I eventually kind of joined forces with some other people who had been displaced by the banning. Uh, in this case, Noah Walker, who uh, uh, his name is pretty synonymous with Grix's Delver, or had been for quite some time. And Oliver Tomiko, uh, a former U.S. national champion and a kid with a bright future ahead of him in Magic, um, who also had been playing a ton of Grixis Delver. And then we had some outside consultants, Dylan Donegan, who is also you know one of the young guns of the SCG circuit, who um, had quite a quite a bit of experience in Legacy, and I was eager to hear from him. So. You know, people were throwing back and forth some different ideas. First, it was going to be, oh, we should play Reanimator, obviously. That was everyone's mm -hmm. first uh, go-to. And then, oh, Infect. Infect just beats everything, because Infect is like a Delver pivot that is not super hard hit by the banning, although it lost Probe. But yeah. it, it retained the only good one-drop mana accelerant. It was the only deck that could realistically play a one-drop into days that uh, that was like super powerful combo-y kind of potential that also had a fair game plan. Uh, people were talking about Teamer Delver, but it wasn't it wasn't doing anything for me in, in testing. I, I wasn't enjoying it. I thought I'm losing to basically everything. Death and Taxes and even the combo decks could outmuscle me just by getting a couple basics and then eventually uh, the, the clock just wasn't fast enough anymore. I don't really know what happened. So I wasn't really into it. Um, I was going to just suck it up and play Esper Stoneblade, classic Esper Stoneblade, the same deck I had played in 2012, right? Shaheen Blade. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Team Serrani. So I was playing that, and it, it was fine, as Stoneblade often is, but Stoneforge Mystic was fairly anemic, it was okay, uh, but it seemed like I was just working really hard for a deck that probably had worse matchups overall than Death and Taxes. 
I also recognized that I was actually not super strong against the combo decks. It was fine. I would often just sideboard out the whole Stoneforge package and end up with like an Esper Tempo deck. It was medium. And then I was like, oh, man, you know, I, I guess I'll suck it up and play this. I don't really want to. I don't really know. But uh, Oliver said, all right, let's try Shadow. And I said, yeah, you know, Death Shadow is probably really good. Uh, go for it, play it at some SCGs, see what happens. He did play it at a team SCG before the PT, and they did well with it, and he did a deck tech, and he was getting hype. Now, these guys, Oliver and Noah, were all married to playing Grixis, right? They wanted three colors. They were big on playing um, Sideboard Abrade, Sideboard Pyroblast, so you could even look up like Noah Walker or yeah, Oliver Tomiko. Yeah. So they had a couple of these cards. Um, just really like four <laughs> red cards in their whole deck. And I thought... Eh, it, it, I, I was testing it online. It didn't seem like that important to me. But the deck had legs, right? The deck was strong. So I said, okay, I will work on this. And... Um, some of the things that that we came up with, I mean, I was trying Soul Tie Shadow for a while because I was super enamored of playing Sylvan Library with yeah. Death Shadow. I thought Sylvan Library would be <laughs> that cool. That was definitely in my first Death Shadow Legacy Brew. Yep. I was like, this would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah. Absolutely. And Abrupt Decay is, uh, is a super nice pickup that is, you know, a good clean catch-all it answers opposing death shadows and answers opposing chalice of the voids which is an important thing so but i said guys look here's what's been happening i've been legitimately every time i draw one of the red lands i hate it every time i fetch for one i get cut off of my off of a color of mana either blue mana or black mana if my opponent is playing something like dnt which was the whole reason to play red is that you have a braid and I was I was just like, guys, I, I don't think that this is for me. I think we should just play straight blue-black. Um, and they were, you know, pretty skeptical. And we talked about it hemmed and hawed. I said, look, guys, without Deathrite Shaman, your mana is significantly more fragile. Just suck it up and play the clean mana base, cast all your spells all the time. Plus, you can even make your mana base have just two basics, right? So Swamp island four watery graves as your lands which was pretty cool in my opinion that you just had this delver deck that was actually pretty resilient to wasteland and blood moon and whatnot yeah. all right so those were all of our debates i ended up uh going with my gut they ended up sticking with uh with what they knew uh but yeah death shadow we tested it a bunch and people people saw that it had these busted unfair draws as well as a perfectly legitimate and reasonable fair game plan uh the same as any grixis delver deck that could beat you on turn three with the you know the turbo draws or could beat you on turn 12 because they have then the natural built-in card advantage of not having to play more than two or three lands to do everything so i was i was enamored uh, so I ended up sticking with this. The, the things that kind of we discovered um, preordain surprisingly important when you're fairly low on threats. You only have 10 real threats in the deck. Uh, Stubborn Denial was just very impressive for me as a way to 
close out the game uh, much better than something like Spell Pierce, which was a very common card in Grixis Delver. Uh-huh. Uh, and much better when you wanted to, on you know turn three or four in the mid game, play a big threat and hold up your counter magic. You you had been spending your early turns casting cantrips, counter magic, and discard. Then in the mid game you get to actually do this rather than deploying a threat and trying to make them stumble on mana. But yeah, I was very very impressed. So that's what I brought. Uh, I, it was it was great. I like what you said about preordaining because I kind of was wondering. But now I'm looking at your deck construction. You've got 16 lands and. It says 14 creatures at former street race, so yeah, I mean, you probably need those extra couple, you know, filtering right. effects to make sure you hit lands and, and creatures at the right time. Right, so um, what, what I will say, though, is look at the mana base. It's 16 lands, but two of them are wastelands. So it's the same 14 uh, color, colored mana sources, blue and black sources, that a classic Grixis deck would play. That's true, yep. Although you're missing Deathrite, which is a Birds of Paradise. So that it it all it all fits together. Uh, you said you were less enamored with Rug as you were playing it. Um, a lot of people brought brought Rugs this tournament and didn't do as well as the Shadow players or the Grixis Delver players. Uh, I think from some of the analysis I've seen. Um, do you see this as a like sort of the leading tempo deck uh, right now? This this Shadow build. Um, do you think that it's something that was good in the Pro Tour? Like I'm just sort of wanted to get your feeling on what you think the future could hold for, for this kind of build for sure. um, compared to other tempo decks especially. Like, why should you right. play this over yeah, Grixis or something? So I think that Rug Delver... Basically, Death and Taxes has gotten pretty big and just is going to be solid against uh, against Rug no matter what. Nimble Mongoose just doesn't seem to be what it used to be. Gurmag Angler is just such a big slap in the face of cards like Tarmogoyf and Mongoose and it's so common. Baleful Strix, such a, such a slap in the face. These are cards that didn't exist in, in 2011 yeah. right? When when that was the last time it was like really big before Deathrite even got printed. Deathrite, so okay, there's a phenomenon in Legacy that first happened with the card, well it probably happened before with like Tarmogoyf and Flash, but the, the first in contemporary times was Mental Misstep. They printed Mental Misstep. It was broken. All these blue control decks just dominated, right? It was mm -hmm. like, why, why, why are you playing these other decks? Mental Misstep means that your Goblins deck just gets its Aether Vial countered on the draw, and you just are behind the whole game. Yeah. Like, stop, just play the blue decks. And then they banned Mental Misstep. And then the blue decks were still the best decks. It was weird. It was like it didn't go back. Legacy evolves based on certain cards and then even once the cards in question get banned, it's like they still have left this indelible shadow on the format. Yeah, the meta's <laughs> sort of altered at that point forever and everyone's right. already tuned their decks to that meta so it, it doesn't go back the way it was. Right, and so, for example, Deathrite Shaman incentivized playing Gurmag Angler, incentivized playing Baleful Strix, incentivized playing True Name Nemesis. All these cards are huge, you know, kicks in the rear to something like Rug Delver, which was used to... They had the monopoly on the, the powerful one-drops. They had the monopoly on having the most under-costed, beefy creatures. Um, 
and these creatures just do stop matching up well against the cards in these other decks. Not to mention that, of course, Death and Taxes has received a number of shots in the arm over the course of the last, you know, six years um, and just improved dramatically. So cards like Sanctum Prelate and Palace Jailer, which aren't directly responsible for making the rug matchup better, but a deck that was naturally good against Rug is now better against everything else and therefore more playable means that Rug Delver is naturally worse. Additionally, Eldrazi as a whole archetype is not a very good matchup for Rug Delver because Chalice beats them and so do, you know, five five fives with Haste and Trample that are uncounterable and come down on turn three. Um, <laughs> right. it, it, you know what I'm saying? It's just like all of these newer decks that it didn't have to contend with have caught up to Rug Delver. And so, yeah, you, you need to move forward. And the way to move forward is, well, what else has a little bit more broken potential? Um, and in that case, it is something like Death Shadow and Gurmag Angler as your creatures of choice rather than Tarmogoyf uh, and Nimble Mongoose. So I do think that this is where uh, Delver Tempo will move going forward, and I don't think it's super close. Um, I think that it is 100% possible that a non-shadow, you know, Lightning Bolt having Grixis Delver deck would be reasonable as well. It would probably be something in line with, and you can go uh, look this one up, Jonathan yep. Sikenik yep. and his deck um, playing a sort of a mid-range Delver. I love me some mid-range Delver decks, right? Playing these sticky threats. I love sticky threats like True Name Nemesis and Bitter Blossom are just so hard to, to answer in for the Shadow deck. Shadow is more broken in the strict sense of like I'm playing a one mana 10-10 but this deck is first of all less vulnerable to some of the nonsense like just getting you know cheesed out yeah. when you go too low on life and also um, yeah contains some cards that are just real beatings against uh, against specifically death shadow yeah it so, seems like the uh the true names and the bitter blossoms don't line up well or do line up very well against uh, your death shadow just blocking every turn and getting in with the other one each time yep. also consider the fact that uh the like one of the busted reasons to play death shadow is the card snuff out um uh, i i i live uh lived with and now live close to Jacob Wilson and spend a lot of time with him hanging out and um, we talked about it and he said you know he, he's always a proponent of as low a mana cost as you can get nothing better than free so he said yes snuff out is just a force of will that you do not have to pay an extra card and I said and I get the privilege of paying for life right it's absolutely busted in the deck but it doesn't line up well against Sekenic's threat Gurmag, True Name, and Bitter Blossom. Yeah. Dismember, while, of course, costing at least one real deal mana, 
gives you the way, a way to be Gurmag Angler, as well as Baleful Strix, as well as, you know, opposing Death Shadows, depending on the life total, and also you can more reasonably cast it the normal way in the late game when you're already down very low on life. It's, it's a more modular cost, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Zach had put snuff out on his things he wanted to discuss uh, here, and I think that hearing you talk about it, I, I mean, I've had snuff out in my box. Like I said, I've, I've brewed with Death Shadow before, and I've thought about it. And of course, at the time, Deathrite Shaman was in the format, so snuff out was not really where you wanted to be. Oh no! But the way I think about this deck and how it compares to the other sort of um, Delver tempo style decks is that you get this really hard acceleration into your threats being huge. So like. Death Shadow, like you could be at five life, and that's an eight-eight, right? That's gonna that beats their Grimmag Angler, right? Oh, yeah. Whereas with Rug, you're putting you're sort of growing your mongoose one card at a time, as opposed to like in big chunks you're growing your Death Shadow. Like your Thought Seize trades for a threat and grows your Death Shadow, and your Snuff Out trades for a threat and grows your Death Shadow. So yeah, not um, to mention the amount of times that you're gonna remove your opponent's threat and do four more damage to him on top of that, you know, or his blocker and move and do four more damage to him. That I think yeah. that's really yeah. where the card shines. It's just incredible. It's like your opponent plays a, a Thought Not Seer or a Reality Smasher. You kill it. You make your Death Shadow huge that you're gonna deploy the next turn. This is on like turn two or three. Then you just play a six six Death Shadow and their whole deck is just moot. Completely shut off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. There, were you surprised to see so many other players on Blue Black Shadow? Like, uh, yeah. you know, like LSV and uh, Josh Utter Layton, like, they played, they yeah, played decks, so they had some tech and stuff, right? I knew that Josh was a Death Shadow guy. Uh, I, I knew course. it because I had played against him at Grand Prix Santa Clara, I want to say. And he was playing it. And I was playing. Grixis Delver, I believe, and I beat him, and um, part of that was because Death Shadow is kind of dangerous when your opponent is packing bolts and Deathrite Shamans. Additionally, his um, snuff outs were not very good. I think he may not have even been playing snuff out back at that GP, but he didn't do, their team didn't do well, he didn't do well, and, uh, but I knew that he was an aficionado of Death Shadow, and I kind of suspected that their team might end up on it, um, and in which case, you know, the rest of them all fell in line. I was pleasantly surprised to learn that I had kind of rolled Yahtzee, as it were, and, and figured out the exact same deck um, uh-huh. down to the, the mana base, uh, being just straight blue-black. There were a few differences, and I'm sure we'll want to talk about those uh, later on in the call. But, um, yeah, I was uh, I was not surprised or shocked to know that other people ended up on it. I actually was uh, of the mindset, yeah, great minds think alike, and I was proud of myself that I had pinned playing two colors as correct. I The one thing I was a little uh, sour about was uh, in like the last two days before submitting the deck list, I just was shouting at my little testing group, yo, guys, guys, can we play one reanimate? Can we please? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I super talk. sweet. We should do it. We should do it. Come on, guys. Can we do it? And they were like, no, dude, that's loose. That's that's loose. That's it terrible. Is, it Just does like, seem greedy. Yeah. And well, I was like, oh, but come on. I, I want to steal someone's Gristlebrand. It's so good against that. And they were like, no, like, you're an idiot. 
<laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. I'll just play the third Stubborn Denial, which was our first flex slot, of course. Yeah. And here's uh, Josh Harder Layton's got two reanimate. Yeah. And cut. Well, it's built. <laughs> See, I, I always like reanimate in this deck for two reasons. One, Thought Seize reanimate your guy is a perfectly good line against decks playing, like, you know, Grizzlebrand's great for this, but, like, true name, you know, thanks. Yeah. Or Mother yeah. of Runes. I can't yeah, right? protect it from your swords. Good game. Yep. Um, and also, like,. Thoughtsea or uh, Street Wraith reanimate is build your own Delver against any other black deck. I mean, you're talking about a three power clock, um, yep. and you're gonna be able to back that up with Death Shadow. Yeah, yep. unblockable, um, unvoltable clock, and yeah, it's great. I mean, I've gotten it reanimated against me against Reanimator <laughs> when yeah. I go down super low, right? Because I'm yeah. thought seizing them and and whatnot and making my Death Shadow as big, and then they just go, all right, reanimate your Street Wraith, and I, because I've been you know surgicaling all their stuff. And I lose to that. And that was the first time I was like, dude, I should just play this. Yeah. But well, I ended up not. <laughs> kind of regret what did you, not. What did you think about Josh's choice to play Throne of Geth as an anti-Chalice card? And also he went really big on Dread of Night. I think yeah. there, there's some similarities in what you played in terms of the matchups you were uh, concerned about. And that you've got a Massacre here. Um, and you've got two Ratchet Bombs, a Toxic Deluge. Like those are, and Liliana, the last hope you have. Um yeah. Which is, you know, these are all death chat or sorry, death and taxes slash chalice cards. So just wondering what yep. you thought about his choice to play those more narrow cards. Yep. We'll have Ben answer that question in just a second. First, this message from Phil. Let me tell you something, brother. If you're digging this podcast, you gotta go over to patreon.com slash eternal turtles and become a patron right now. Oh yeah. So I did write about this on my article on SCG. Uh, so I would I would probably synthesize our decks. I think mm-hmm. that the things that Josh got right were um, a, a couple reanimates are useful tools, and I think that I was probably incorrect to play. I, I think the correct number of wastelands is not four. It's not zero or one. I think it's either two or three. Uh, I think that uh, Josh's deck also got three watery graves incorrect. There are plenty of times where you do not actually need against combos specifically to fetch out uh, the full amount, or you actually just run out of fetchables. Uh, but I really liked his reanimates. Um, I think that the hymns in the sideboard were important. Uh, I think that, yeah, we had a lot of similarities there, right? Um, the thing is, I I think Throne of Geth is so much narrower than Ratchet Bomb as to be just, like, laughable. It's comical. It's like, this card does exactly one thing. It's good against exactly Chalice of the Void. Half yeah. of the Chalice of the Void decks are Blood Moon decks, right? Like, half of them are Red Prison and half are Eldrazi, right? And then there's the occasional, like, four-color loam. But those are the Chalice decks. Against Red Prison... Your Throne of Geth, if they just play a Magus of the Moon or a Blood Moon, is a joke. You still lose. Ratchet Bomb, a Ratchet Bomb on three against that deck is actually incredible against Red Prison. It kills Ensnaring Bridge, Blood Moon, uh, Magus of the Moon, and Goblin Rabble Master. And Trinisphere. Yep. It's and, so uh, good. And Prodder, if, they, if they're on that. Yep, <laughs> sure. Whatever. Sarkin. And, and I'm just thinking, like... I'm just but, thinking, like, and bro, you you thought that it was legitimate to just play this card? I I played against Hain, Alex Hain, 
and uh, we at, at at the very end, and we compared sideboards and and strats, uh, and he said, "Yeah, I had one throne, one ratchet, and one ee," and I was like, "Bro, why are you playing this throne of Geth?" He's like, "Yeah, I got someone with it once. That was cool." And I, <laughs> and I said, "Look, but like, you can't board it in against death and taxes. You can't. You can board it in against red prison, and half the time it does nothing. And if you board it in against like Eldrazi, if they don't have the chalice, then." It's a dead card. Like, Ratchet Bomb at least can k kill Jitae, can kill uh, Endless One. This card just is so narrow. So, so Throne of Death it, is yeah, Not a, matching up well fail. against those Jitae's and Endless Ones. It does, seem, sure. it does seem like the sort of card you play at your local uh, when you see a bunch of these kind of decks, and then you're just like, don't play these anymore kind of thing. Like, I did a Helm of Obedience in my rug sideboard for a while, and people would just stop playing Rest in Peace against me. They wouldn't even side it in. That sort of, that feels like sort of what the Throne of Geth uh, is for is like to to shoot that out into your meta. But it, it yeah you're right the the Ratchet Bomb does feel like it's going to do a lot more work. Yeah, um, and Hain had one Snapcaster Mage and that was obviously super effective in the mirror match and he got me with it and I was like all right yeah you got me on yeah. on the edge <laughs> of having these cards that are just super good in the semi mirror. Um, I think that some things that they uh, – so, yeah, they got that right. I think that a well-synthesized deck list after uh, – I think that they – their three ponder, one preordain, four brainstorm is fine. But I'm thinking, like, I guess because they have the two reanimates as additional threats, it's okay to cut down on your cantrips. But I don't want to be so low on my blue spell count um, because let's let's do a quick count of my deck. We've got four four Delver, four Ponder, four Preordain. That's ten. Then the four Force of Will, four Days. You're at eighteen. Three Stubborn Denial, twenty-one. Then twenty-five with your Brainstorm. Like that's a reasonable amount. In theirs, oh, or I'm in, twit, sorry, and only twenty-four <laughs> of those can be pitched to the other Force of Will. Yeah, yeah, twenty-five yeah. cards. I, yeah. It's supposed to be like a 20, 20, 20 22 should be somewhere around uh, a realistic Four, minimum. Um, they have, Hain has five, and then, yeah, they just have twenty one. they're down at 21, which is like, okay, that's fine, but it's a little bit more sketchy, and you know, there, there are a lot of times where I don't play a turn one Delver because I need to pitch it to a Force of Will, and I'm just less thrilled to not have the ability to pitch, you know, random preordains and stuff like that, but fine. Um, so I, I guess my, my other thing you were asking about, Dread of Night. Yeah. I'm off Dread of Night. Like, Dread of Night doesn't help against elves. Dread <clears throat> of Night doesn't help against True Name Nemesis. Dread of Night didn't even win the, the game where he had three of them. In the <laughs> semifinals. He still lost. Josh still lost. Yeah. The, the problem card is not, it's not like, oh yeah, play Dread of Night and easily win. The problem is Palace Jailer. Your threat light, you don't have that much threat density. So a palace jailer, just like, it's so hard to beat. So what you need to do is, yeah, only one is beatable. I saw there was there were there were two in a lot of lists. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard card to beat because the games t tend to go long and they tend to be able to find one that's um. They tend to find one that is uncounterable 
Sorry, <laughs> I had a brain fart there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uncountable. No. Either via cavern or via vial. Like, they'll put the vial on three, then on four, like, three, fetch it, four, play it, and you're like, ah, oh, man. That thing um, goes to four, you're just like, ugh. Yeah, so every the, time. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem is, it's not like, oh, yeah, I want to lock them out. It's obviously, it leads to free wins, but I would rather stop the card Aether Vial, which means I want Ratchet Bomb, not Dread of Night. Yeah. Like, I need to keep their Palace Jailers stranded in their hand. Um, it, it, it's obviously good against Death and Taxes, right? Like, there's no question. But I would rather not, I guess, like, spill my hand. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to play these cards. Now you can yeah. try and sculpt the game plan around Palace Jailer and um, uh, Mirren Crusader. I would rather, like, have a game and then just blow them out on one turn with a excuse me a deluge or a massacre yeah plus i just also real talk i don't think that it's enough of the metagame to justify that that's a lot of your sideboard man like well, it seemed like they were just hard on this being like the this is the worst matchup yeah <laughs> you so know really these josh, are two josh, worst matchups <laughs> yeah josh's deck was taking some ham-handed approaches to attacking exactly death and taxes and exactly eldrazi Right. right. That's 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 sort of what, we were, what I wanted to get at with this point here, which was like these were these were probably really good in those very specific matchups, but you know you lose to other stuff. So well, also uh, the fact that the pro his ham handed or ham fistedness in his sideboard was correct for the PT, right? Um, like it, those those two decks were high percentage decks, right? Yeah, they were high percentage decks. Um, I think that the thing is that. How much more percentage do you get from Dread of Night compared to Massacre or Toxic Deluge? Like, how much more? It let's right. So it, almost think of it as an expected value matrix. If Death and Taxes is 10% of the field, and Dread of Night is a 10 against them, Massacre is a 9 against them, how much additional matchup percentage do you get? Like, what's your additional expected value in the tournament? Multiply the percentage by how effective the relative effectiveness is efficacies of the two cards are versus compare it to you get the sum of the efficacy of uh, different cards say you know toxic deluge or ratchet bomb against a, a wider swath of the meta um do i think it was correct for this tournament yeah i want to actually jump in there and just and rephrase this question a little bit because i think phil got something that we were all curious about which was you know, how much of your deck selection and choices goes into meta calls for a pro tour versus how you would approach building this deck for an open meta? Is that yeah, a place we can go with this? Yeah. GP, like GP Richmond, which people will be attending soon. Um, I do not build decks with a legacy meta in mind. Um, not in this way. I am all about flexibility i'm all about uh expect the unexpected and i would much rather have a six and two matchups than a nine and a zero like a nine and one and a zero and another which is why i built it this way um for example bitter blossom is against lands turbo depths miracles grixis control and um you can play it in mirror matches when you're on the play although i don't love it uh, it was kind of I was indifferent there, but it's good against the control and the the merit lage decks. Him to Turek is good against the control and the combo decks. Um, 
Toxic Deluge is good against True Name Nemesis decks and Eldrazi and Death and Taxes. Diabolic Edict is good against Death and Taxes and Eldrazi and Merit Lage decks. I expected more Merit Lage decks than ended up happening. Um, Liliana the Last Hope is good against Death and Taxes, Elves, and and any Baleful Strix deck and any Miracles deck. Um, so, so that's how I build my sideboards. And right. I, I'll do that... F- my decks are eminently more copyable for an open meta than something like Josh's. I would never build something like that and take it to an open meta. And I did not treat the Pro Tour as something that I was smart enough to <coughs> predict. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'm not going to have the Pro accuracy. Tour with my, with my yeah. Throne of Gath. I'm glad. I'm glad. I was like, oh, i got to find a Throne of Gath. Who knows if I'm ever going to find one of my. Yeah. I, I mean, I pl- you, you saw me play on camera. <laughs> I. I. I top decked my answer card and it was just as good it was yeah. just as good for me to top deck ratchet bomb against go dennis than it was if i top deck throne of geth yeah so i'm like oh, okay then why the hell would i play throne of geth when this card did exactly the same thing it's so hard for me to think of a scenario where throne of geth is like man this really just locks him out eldrazi doesn't even play that many two drops yeah. you're not even locking them out yeah, they don't, and even then, like, Eldrazi Mimic's not, not the scariest card. I also wanted to point out with Massacre, the alternate casting cost is relevant against a lot of other planes decks. Like, you know, if you were expecting any amount of Stoneblade decks that were probably going to play Swords, or, uh, Stoneforge mm-hmm. Mystic, True Name Nemesis, like, Massacre's great yep. in those situations as well. Um, the only reason why I was willing to cut, I had two Deluge, and, and my homeboys, my teammates, my friends said, change one to a Massacre. And I was like, no, they were like, but all the True Name decks are Stoneblade decks, you you do want this, plus they might play Lingering Souls. And I said, all right, fine. Well, it's also not unreasonable to just hard cast a Massacre. True. <laughs> like, you've got you Against, know, yeah. 10 cantrips, or plus Street Rain. you got 14 cantrips and, uh, you know, enough oh, lands yeah. that you can put in play. Yeah, Yeah, you always end up with uh, three lands in play, even four is definitely possible. Yeah. Um, let's see. Any, any, you, you think about playing Berserk? I love Berserk. I do love Berserk. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it is cool that with either of the general splashes, you can play either Berserk or Teamer Battle Rage. Um, I don't know which I like better, because obviously Berserk is cheaper, has the drawback, and Teamer Battle Rage gets around Chalice, and Double Strike Trample is a little better than Double My Power and Trample, because Double Strike, it lets you do, like, the one-two punch through, um... Like, like your your creature will kill if it's not a lethal attack. For example, your creature yeah. can kill the creature, and you know it also kills Strix. Through. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Right. Another yeah. Uh, something I didn't even think about. Yeah. Um, I, you, I you think. S- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think that a splash is necessary in the deck. Um, I would sooner play four grave two basics than play a third color, but uh. I could see a meta changing in such a way where a third color is better, but I think it's more likely that the meta changes in a way where two basics are better. Um, that actually blood is one of... <clears throat> yeah, that was one of Zach's questions yeah, here. It, like you, you, you ended up going to the two underground seas instead of the nice. island swamp that you had. I really wanted to play a budget deck at the Pro Tour, man. I thought it would have been so funny. I mean, that's that's like, a total hero move if you if you go to the to the Pro Tour and you don't have any actual duels in your deck. The fetch lands were literally the, my fetch land config was a, was left over. I realized it in like round two of the pro tour. I was like, shit, I 
I made my fetch lands like planned for me to fetch basics, right? Because uh. I have all the fetch lands <laughs> set up so that I can fetch my basics. But that was stupid. Josh's list had one Misty, one Marsh oh, yeah, Flats. You know, it's spread out <laughs> so he can't get needled or surgical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like traditionally you're supposed to do it that way, right? One Tarn, one Misty, one Delta, one just spread them out so that you're harder to pin down. Um, one polluted Delta in your blue black deck is hilarious. How yeah. <laughs> so how often was the was going for the UC important uh for you uh over the over the course of the tour? Uh going for going for untapped painless mana is important in the deck and you mm-hmm. do need to um yeah. because the, like a lot of times what happens is you get aggressive with your shocks early and then in the middle to late game it's like well i need to cast the spell but i can't take any more damage i'm already at you know two yeah uh, yeah right so you do need that uh underground c versus the two basics really it was just a question of having a full 14 blue sources, which I thought was, you know, the traditional Frank Karsten magic math number, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that you guys have heard of or, or looked over these various articles that talk about the combinatorics and the, you know, the distributions that you need to actually uh, have your 90% keep rates or whatever yeah. to not mull it by being mana screwed. And uh, so that was part of it for me. And I noticed that, so part of the appeal was I could do this against lands or death and taxes and be wasteland proof. However, lands has ghost quarters, and sometimes I would fetch my basic, get it ghost quartered, and think, damn, why didn't I fetch my shock land, get it ghost quartered, and get my basic, and be like, haha, gotcha. Uh, Similarly, against death and taxes, I would fetch my basics, and then be like, oh, damn, I I got one watery grave, and I have one fetch land, and I can fetch a basic, but they're going to waste my watery grave, and then I'm just going to be pinned. Might as well just fetch another watery grave so that I can still cast both colors of spells. That was kind of the nail in the coffin, and I thought, right, I'll just I'll just play most consistent mana base I could possibly come up with. Um, all my lands cast all my <clears throat> spells all the time. And it's important, you know, sometimes you need to snuff out and daze, and they require the land type. Correct. You can't just That's right. do nothing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, snuff uh, out with Days Backup doesn't work off of base six. Uh, but, but be aware, you will have a metagame with enough Blood Moons that you'll want the basics. So yeah. be, keep it in mind. It, it will come about. Yeah. Great. Just not at this PT. I didn't think there would be that much Red Prison. Um, Zach put this question on. I, I, I want to just get maybe quick on this. But Grixis Control, I thought it was interesting that it was the most played deck. Um, that people were, were, even though, you know, you lose your best card in Deathrite Shaman, that people still felt that these cards assembled together were going to be great, and they, you know, in a month, with a month of testing. Um, do you do you think that's a deck to watch out for? And if that becomes a popular deck, is that something you would, you know, maybe we have to go to more Fatal Pushes, less Snuff Outs, or something like that. Right. Spell Snare, oh. just deal with Strix and Snapcaster and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that the answer for these decks is uh, there are th- there are a couple things. Uh, the first, Liliana the Last Tope is incredible against them. Uh, the second, Bitter Blossom is quite reasonable against them. The third, you want Dismember because their only real threat is Gurmag Angler. Um, Gurmag Angler is the only threat in their deck that you can't kill with Liliana. Uh, so a yeah, you could 
Well, that one, that's Delver. This is a Delver. I'm sorry. I'm, look, I'm yeah. looking for one. Uh, just there find BBD. Yeah, or Brian, oh. Brian Brown Doohan's list is pretty normal, right? Yeah, uh, there he is. So, yeah, he's got two Gurmags as his threats. Um, and his Gurmags are a little harder with the K commands and whatnot because he's exiling most of his yard. This list is a clean, clean list. I respect what he's doing a lot. But um, I think that the uh, Death Shadow deck is just fundamentally more broken. I think this deck has a good matchup, but if you have four copies of Bitter Blossom slash Lily, as well as two dismembers, you're going to be able to beat this more often than they'll be able to beat you. Um, I think... Wow, the one in Snaring Bridge is a nice sideboard touch, um, but it, it's not... It's something that they could play, but I mean, if if it ends up being like a super huge thing, maybe worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if that gets slammed down on game three without you throwing in something for it, uh, that that's. I mean, I feel like you probably bring in your ratchet bomb in this matchup yeah. anyhow. You could. You, yeah. You 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 might need it. I mean, it's not good against K command. Yeah. But, uh, true. It might be necessary, or just uh, you know, it's not a recurrable threat for them. So you may just hope that you can thought Caesar stubborn denial it at some point. Yeah. Regardless. Regardless. Right. If you have a, if you have a creature that beats the ensnare or that loses the ensnaring bridge, it, the uh, stubborn denial beats the ensnaring bridge. So there you yeah. go. True. 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 <laughs> so regardless, I think um, basically, if Grixis stays big, you're going to want four or possibly even five of those two key cards, Lily and Bitter Blossom. Uh, I could see a, uh, I, I could see a plan where you actually do have three Liliana the Last Hope, uh, just because looking at this deck, a Liliana the Last Hope, uh, if I just slam it and kill your Baleful Strix on turn three, what what do you even do? Like, you're gonna try and bolt K command it, and I'll daze the K command, and you'll just like crumble. Yeah. Um, you've got edicts and fatal pushes and stuff like that that you need to beat my big threats but so yeah i would want that and of course bitter blossom also makes a lot of the their opposing deck look pretty bad um i think that grix's control is favored against an unprepared death shadow deck but grix's control is more exploitable than death shadow because it is fundamentally less broken uh, yeah. but i do like that they have all these him to torax i think that the sequence of thought sees him is super nice and I wanted to get in more hymns. I got only one in the sideboard. I think there should be two. And I think that really my nice synergy, synergy or blend with the Josh Utter Layton list is you're going to play your reanimates, right? You're going to play the two reanimates, cut a Stubborn mm -hmm. Denial and a Preordain for them. And you're going to... Uh, I, I also cut a Snuff Out to fit in my third Wasteland, because Wasteland is another important card against Grixis Control. Right. Um, but I'm not going to play the full four Wastelands, only the three. Uh, again, it's not as important with the play patterns that this deck promotes. So we have our Reanimates, which means we have a main deck hedge against Reanimator. We can shave one Surgical Extraction to add him to Torak number two. Right. Which I think is important. So then we've got another sideboard card that's good against combo and against control which means if you really wanted you could even cut one of your anti-combo cards which would then be like a fluster storm and then have something like a 
second Bitter Blossom or even a third Lily. That I haven't really, I haven't done a sideboard map to figure that out, but uh, I think that all of that is very reasonable. Um, so yeah, I, I think cards that have gained uh, after the Pro Tour, Lily, Bitter Blossom, uh, the Reanimate was impressive to me. Um, I could see, I think Surgical has fallen. Uh, there weren't that many reanimator decks. There wasn't a lot of lands. Um, and you can hedge against reanimator with reanimate the same way that you can with surgical, and it can just all, sometimes just be better. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, that card is, uh, is falling out of favor for me. I also think that Bitter Blossom... Com- let's compare Bitter Blossom and Surgical. Uh, so Surgical is better against Reanimator. Um, Bitter Blossom better against the Grixis control decks. But they're both good against Merit Lage decks, and Bitter Blossom is way better against half the Merit Lage decks, i.e. Turbo Depths, than Surgical, right? So, like, Surgical against Lands is cool. I have always been a huge fan of it, but it's possible that you can get a similar heavy hitter against that deck that is also flexing you more towards hedging against some other decks that are on the rise, basically. Yeah. So there's, I mean, I love to talk about this kind of stuff. You, you can tell. <laughs> no, right. um, I love Bitter Blossom, too. It's one of my favorite cards. So. And, and um, you saw Sukenic play it in the main yep. deck. Um, That's uh, sure that is that is some Delver deck he's got there. I haven't had, unfortunately, I mean we, uh, you know, I was doing some travel this weekend, catching the Pro Tour when I could. Zach was traveling as well. You know, I didn't get a chance to really break everything down. I was really sort of studying your list because we knew we had you coming on. But yeah, I saw his deck and I was just like, wow, that is some Delver deck with the uh, the Bitter Blossom, it's like a tempo sort of negative card in a way because it's two mana. Do not pay off to later. Yeah. But so yeah, that was. In- incredibly intriguing to me and i certainly recommend that you reach out to john and i can try and help make that happen in the future cool. uh, yeah. because he is somebody i respect a lot for you know his intelligence and uh, his innovation in magic so definitely someone to to look at and again as we mentioned earlier his build may be a really good choice going forward because of some of the just raw power raw power that those cards have against what should be the most popular mac or the most popular version of the delver macro archetype right yeah. like true name and bitter blossom are so good there and true name also does a lot of work against uh, death and taxes um obviously yeah. uh very so, good yeah um, I don't know how much more time you got. It's, it's like come up on the top of the hour. I just wanted to make sure we asked. Unless Phil, you had anything quick? Uh, I don't have anything. No, this was all like all the questions you guys asked were super interesting. I w- the one major question I had was the lack of reanimate, just because it did so much work on camera. But you covered that pretty pretty thoroughly. Yes, yeah, stupid Noah told me not to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I knew I return for that. One. You recommended Jonathan as an interview. Right. Uh, but I just wanted to you know, get the get a little bit of a, to close out a little bit, like having Legacy on the Pro Tour, all the 25th anniversary stuff. You're a longtime player. You know, we're longtime players that like, have come and gone over you know, the past 20 years. Um, you know, just what was it like to be able to like play a dual land at the highest level here, you know, in 2018? Like, 
I just wanted to get sort of the feeling in the room from seeing all the legacy cards. You get the feeling that the legacy players on their teams were legacy lovers, and, and uh, you know, people were saying like, oh, they're gonna just people need to find thirds that play legacy. And I was just thinking yeah. like, I'm sure there's a couple hundred people qualify for the pro tour who love legacy if you love Magic that much, right? So, uh, yeah, no, it, it was funny. I mean, so sometimes it's it's ironic the legacy <laughs> lovers clump together. So like on one team you had Andre Mangucci, Christian Calcano, and Javier Dominguez. All three of them like Legacy. Javier and Calcano both have GP finals with Delver deck or Deathrite Delver decks of some type in Legacy. And then they gave it to Mangucci, who just ended up playing Colorless Eldrazi, which to me is not, you know, <laughs> not a, uh, a measure of respect for Legacy, <laughs> but it's all good. Uh, and yeah, there was a team with Noah Walker and Ely Cassis and Shaheen Sarani. All three of them are legacy players. Right. It's like they they all have done incredibly well with legacy decks on the SCG circuit. Um, so and then you did have some teams like I played against um, one team. Any any time I played against a team where there was a guy playing. Uh, Eldrazi in the CC, ironically, or maybe not ironically. I was like, I don't think that you that you all had really a legacy aficionado, and you just had someone pick up the uh, the the King Kong deck, right? Punch you in the jaw. Yeah. Um, and so that happened against uh, Team Godennis, and then there was a team from Australia that uh, you know they were playing Eldrazi post, and I was like, well, it's a powerful deck, but come on, you know, we could be casting brainstorms. It's yeah. your only time to do it. <laughs> uh, the energy in the room was, you know, really high. Uh, I was honored to, you know, be be the one to play Legacy. You know, my teammates, Oliver Two and Andre Strasky, are both more accomplished than I am, really. I mean, top four of Worlds and two Pro Tour top eights for those guys. Um, and they said, yeah, man, we trust you. Uh, that was... Uh, that was meaningful to me, um, the idea that you know I I was being trusted to play a really complicated format with a pretty complicated deck um, might be the only chance I ever get to do it, and they said go for it, man. Um, and yeah, I think I really really hope that they give us another chance to do it. I don't know if they will for another you know five to ten years but uh <laughs> i can hope um right. and i will do my damnedest to to do it again i i think it was just like uh a huge party and, and i also got to do some cool plays on in my camera feature match which was uh which was awesome you know had a big top deck and then oh right, speaking of that you, you just you actually i just did think of something what was the discussion between uh you and Oliver about the days pick up the land to shock again to go for the kill. Right. Yeah. So basically, like as I'm as I'm gonna go for the kill, uh, Oliver comes over and he's like, "Yo, yo, you could do this." I'm like, "Wait, wait, what?" Yeah, yeah. I know the trick. I know the trick. And then <laughs> I'm like, then I like lose my train of thought. And then I'm like, "All right, Death Shadow." And and uh, and Godennis is like, "Okay." I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on." I'm and I'm like talking to Oliver and I'm like, "Okay." Uh, um, all right, I'm tapping mana, and then he's like, "No, no, no, bounce it." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Bounce." I'm like, "Yes, I'm, I want to bounce my water wave." He's like, "Why are you tapping too?" I'm like, "Oh, damn it!" So uh, I got all flustered, and yeah, it wasn't me just like blabbing. It was me being like, 
All right, hold on, hold on. Let's back it up. Do this the right way. Okay, we're going to play it. We're going to daze it, bounce it, play it, take lethal. Um, and we were good. Uh, so it was kind of a, a a general, like, wait a minute. A let's effort. just make sure we do this right. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to do this, this fun trick. And, um, yeah, but, but it was funny. Someone had mentioned earlier... Were you were you trolling Go Dennis? Were you saying like, yeah, man, I got all the tricks, and just like play it and be like, ah, wait, gotcha. No, no, I wasn't. I mean, it was a, you know, mutually respectful game, and I think just Go Dennis knew that, that once I blew up the when I when I peeled the bomb and blew up his chalice and played two shadows, he was like, wow, I really fell fell out of this one fast. I mean, so. Go Dennis can use some trolling from time to time. For sure, for sure, but. Yeah, no, that was super cool. Just like, we're here. We're I'm I'm on a big team. I got you know I got these experienced, skilled players backing me up, playing the best format. Big top deck, cool trick kill. It had it all. So I can't ask for anything more. I'm now super mad at the plain internet that I was on because I was trying to watch that because I heard someone <laughs> talking about it. Maybe it was even Phil when we were at the tournament earlier that day, and I couldn't get Twitch to load on the plane even though I had paid for the extra streaming pass like so i go watch all these videos i'll have to go back yeah. and watch it again that's cool yeah well, being yeah, in the I, feature I, match there was weird because it, it was like we were so far away from each other and oliver like ran over i'm like wait what are you talking about like i you know did you yeah. win your match or did it get paused they were pausing feature matches to you know try and maximize their coverage time um but yeah all in all i uh i, I would be overjoyed for a chance to do it again and i really hope that wizards announces something something like this again in the coming years i wonder if they had ever thought that days was secretly a pump spell <laughs> now, I, dude it's magic in the last like four years has just had so many things that have even for someone who's been playing as long as i have just opened my mind to the possibilities like what one thing does to just change everything else you just stick one little new piece in a meta one little new item at the correct power level and everything just changes snuff out becomes good watery grave is better than underground sea like <laughs> you know what's next cats living with dogs yeah right <laughs> mass hysteria yeah mass hysteria and like <laughs> it's the same like lantern was an example of that it's like lantern of insight codex shredder what <laughs> but they just printed enough cards at the appropriate power level where it was just towing the line between unplayable and broken. Yeah. It just became broken. I mean, dredge is a mechanic. It's just amazing that magic has these things, these niches that are encompassed within this game that are just, like, so divergent. Such divergent strategies. Like, imagine another reasonably costed card, you know, in black that rewards you for having a, a low life total. Like, yeah. what that could do to Death Shadow as a card. I mean... You know, one of the complaints that people have had about Death Shadow in the past is like, well, you're doing all this stuff to lower your life, but you might not even ever have a Death Shadow. You might never untap with one, right? But imagine, like, a second card that cared about that that would just completely... Because the card is really... I mean, it's a one-mana creature of whatever size you want, and that's yeah. really powerful. Um, that's why it took off in Modern, I think, you know, eventually. But And Legacy, you know... I, it was really only just always just waiting to be busted with like cards like snuff out just floating out there, right? Yeah, and ju and just you you <coughs> see you're you're turning 
force of wills paying life snuff yeah. outs paying life dismembers paying life shocks thought seizes it's all a bonus now it's incredible one of the things Magic. I did, I wanted to touch on uh, was that, you know, th this deck did also lose, like, a, a slight tool in, in the banning as well, but it seems to have been able to find plenty of other uh, options in the form of Gitaxian Probe. Right, we lost Probe, but this deck has Thoughtseize, which is kind of like, it's yeah. like a Probe that you still, you have to pay a mana, but you get the privilege of, rem of removing a card from their hand. Yeah. So you're playing a lower resource game, which the Shadow and Delver decks always want to do. Everyone, you know, these tempo decks love low-resource games. So it was better able to hold compared to something like Infect, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I thought yeah, about obviously, splashing Thoughtseize into Infect. <laughs> just because it was if, so good. If they had only banned Deathrite Shaman and not Gitaxian Probe, I think this deck would have been, like, super off-the-wall good. Um... But who knows? Yeah, I mean, it it really is. <coughs> Legacy is that format where one piece, one little needle in the haystack just changes the setup of everything. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's beautiful in a way. Yeah. Well, Ben, thanks so much for coming on the cast. We really appreciate it, man. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah, it was great talking about it. Yeah. Um, hope, so hope to see you again soon. Yeah. Uh, that, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks very much. Have a good week. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternaldirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.